welcome to a special edition of Faith Nation focusing on the war in Ukraine. From our studio in Washington, I'm Jenna Browder. We begin our special on the Ukraine war with a look at a group that began in Myanmar with a mission to give help and hope to love people. The Free Burma Rangers is a faith-based group with more than 20 years of experience in global conflict zones. When a team from the Rangers traveled to Ukraine to bring medical and relief supplies to those on the front lines, CBN Chuck's, CBN's Chuck Holton joined them on a night mission. Here is that story. The Free Burma Rangers focus in their native Myanmar, where founder Dave Eubank started the group in the 1990s. Our mission is to give help, hope, and love to people under attack, where we're invited. And we serve in the humanitarian gap between the people at the very front line, whether they're soldiers or civilians, and then the aid organizations and refugee camps that out of necessity have to be back somewhere where they're not getting shot at in shells so they can take care of people. And so we are in that gap as we're invited, as we feel God lead us, to stand with people, to treat people medically, to help rescue them if necessary, to just be with them, to pray for them, to coordinate food and relief. And that's our role. And with the war dragging on in Ukraine, Eubank felt compelled to bring his team here after multiple invitations. This war uh, is extremely different from what we're used to. You have a uh, super high-tech war with uh, drones, missiles being uh, launched in all different directions. Uh, the lines have stabilized, uh, not the face-to-face -face fighting, it's not the jungle war, it's not the desert war. On the front lines, the team consulted with military, police, and civilians to identify urgent needs. So there is no safe zones from this point on. We cannot guarantee you safety. I think the most important thing is coming in and not pushing uh, whatever our own agenda is, whatever we, we had in mind, is to ask the Ukrainians, what is it that we can do uh, to help you the most? As always, medical training is in high demand. I've created more direct pressure over so the So they, they value anything and everything you can bring to the table. These guys are super like hyper-focused on the war, winning as fast as possible, and saving as many lives as possible because they have lost so many guys. This is the last night we have in the Donbass, and we just got an opportunity to go on a mission with a recon team from the Ukrainian Foreign Legion. It's a bunch of American guys. The problem for me is that I can't film it because, number one, there's no illumination tonight, no light at all. And number two, if I could film it, I couldn't show it because of the operational security concerns of telling bad people things that they don't need to know. So I'm going to have to probably fill this in with some footage from other missions here in Ukraine, but you'll get the idea, and I'm going to get a chance to interview the squad leader for this team and see what he has to say about tonight's mission. So we went to, to help them any way we could. To me, mostly, it was one, uh, emotional. We love you guys. We care about you. You're doing the right thing. And more importantly, spiritual. Ask Jesus to help you. But you can't just say that from a distance. You have to go with people. And then finally, it was physical. Do you have any medics? No, we don't have any medics for this operation. Do you have an ambulance? No, we don't have an ambulance. Well, we can help. As the team approached their objective, Russian shelling forced them back. Fortunately, when the team made it out, no one required treatment. We uh, set up our uh, the ambulance, got it positioned, got it ready. And then shortly thereafter, we started to see uh, grad rockets, cruise missiles. The night just lit up with fireworks and lights from the bombs. And what had happened was that unit, the Americans that we were supporting, got shelled on the way into their infill. And so thank God we were there. Almost everybody here has been here since uh, the beginning of the invasion or within a, within a few weeks from there. 
And then most guys fought in Iraq or Afghanistan, Syria, various places around the world. So they a lot of experience. So I guess that begs the question, what, why are you doing this? Uh, for me, it's the most morally justifiable war I've ever fought in. I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, it is. My country has a treaty with Ukraine, and we're doing some things for them. I think we should be doing more, and as a free private citizen, I can make the decision to come here and do that for myself. So, What is it that keeps you here and keeps you doing this? Um, I've grown to love Ukraine, and I've seen the, the effort to free their country is justified, and it's just it's the right thing to do. They've been very gracious. Despite the short trip, the Rangers both provided help and experienced the Ukrainian resilience firsthand. We saw, we felt, from whether it was the rounds going over us or the missiles that came in last night at this town, or the destruction, or the absolute amazing vitality and resilience of the people fixing everything, I thought, oh, I love these people. I want to pray for them and speak for them. But I ask God to fill you with his peace. That pushes out the fear. If we don't make a point to stand against Russia, we're just going to face them and they're going to be stronger. Somebody has to stop Russia. It might as well be here and now. In eastern Ukraine, I'm Chuck Holt for CBN News. Thank you, Chuck. Coming up, the atrocities of war, a firsthand account of the horrors unfolding in Ukraine, hitting the country's most vulnerable victims. Next on Faith Nation. Well, as the war drags on in Ukraine, children are some of the hardest hit victims. Organizations on the ground are bringing help and hope to many who have escaped from the war-torn region. My co-anchor John Jessup and I spoke earlier this fall to the head of one such group helping the most vulner vulnerable victims of the war. We're joined by Mikola Kuleba of Save Ukraine. Mikola, welcome. It's great to have you with us this evening. So to date, the Ukrainian government has verified more than 20,000 children illegally transferred from Ukraine to Russia. But that figure is estimated to be closer to 3 million. Talk about the impact this is having on children and their families. Thank you so much. It is horrible impact on next generations because it's hundreds of thousands of children who've been forcibly deported, and it is only 20,000 who've been identified as the deported children, but uh, it's a huge abduction of kids. And uh, 1.5 million of Ukrainian children live under the Russians, on occupied territories and in Russia Federation, and they are hugely brainwashed by Russians and save Ukraine only one uh, who provides rescue mission and recovered these children who've been abducted. We have a network of different services and we provide psychosocial support together with the local churches all over Ukraine. Mikola, you talked about abductions. We know brainwashing and we've heard of cases of abuse. Save Ukraine has been around since 2014 and your volunteers are risking their lives to help provide humanitarian aid and relief and rescue for young kids. Uh, per the Geneva Convention, what Russia is doing is considered a war crime and considered genocide. So why aren't we seeing more forceful action, more vocal opposition from the global community? We have to wake up. It is our call to all nations, to all civilized world, to wake up and, uh, and to define this 
abduction as genocide because it is a massive indoctrination of Ukrainian children because the main goal of Putin is to destroy Ukrainian identity, is to, to take these kids to Russia, re-educate them and instill hatred towards Ukraine. They won't use our kids as a weapon against Russia. And we have now thousands of Russian soldiers who died in, in, on, on battlefields. And these young adults have been school children on occupied territories eight and nine years ago. And after invasion, they will be brainwashed and Russia used them as a weapon against Ukraine. Mm. Uh, you're partnering with other groups too, like NGOs and churches to provide support for these families and their uh, the, and kids. Can you talk specifically about your partnership with CityServe to offer support for trauma recovery? CityServe is our strong partner and we are building church-based services all over Ukraine together with the local churches, with the local government. It is child care and family services and first big center was opened suburb Kiev in Bucha area where we provide different services especially for kids who've been abducted and we return them for children from combat zones because every day we evacuate kids from combat zones and they have huge trauma and in this family center we provide trauma therapy especially for children with disabilities for orphans that's why our partnership is so important mm. for future of these kids and we want increase our capacity that's why we need your strong support and please help ukraine help ukrainian children pray for ukraine and Ukrainian children. Nicola, we just have about 30 seconds left. So how can the global church, beyond praying, uh, help in the ongoing war? What can people do? Yeah, first of all, to pray for our kids, uh, because it is millions of Ukrainian children who need your support. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much. Uh, my heart is full of gratitude for all American people who are helping us, for praying for us. Mm. And we have to be strong. Please don't give up and be with us. Nicola, thank you so much. We are out of time. Nicola Kuleba with Save Ukraine. Thank you for being with us. And if you have an opportunity to check out his Twitter, you'll see some very emotional and moving uh, reunifications with families. Thank you so much, Nicola. A direct bomb hit leads to a brush with death. When Faith Nation returns, we speak with the Fox News war correspondent who almost lost his life in Ukraine. Welcome back. In the early days of the invasion, Fox News war correspondent Benjamin Hall was struck by a Russian bomb attack in Ukraine. He recounts his miraculous survival in the book, Saved, a war reporter's mission to make it home. CBN's Wendy Griffith spoke with Hall about how his faith has guided his comeback. This was the scene of a battle just a few days ago as the Russians tried to move forward. They're still shelling it right now. Thanks to his trademark British accent and reporting style, it didn't take long for Fox News correspondent Benjamin Hall to stand out for his coverage of the war in Ukraine. When we speak to these guys, they're feeling optimistic. But on March 14, 2022, Hall became the story as he and his crew fell under Russian attack on the outskirts of Kyiv. We slowed down at a checkpoint, an abandoned checkpoint. As the car slowed down, out of nowhere came that first bomb, came whistling out of the sky, landed about 30 feet in front of us. 
quickly we knew we had to move and there was a shout to reverse the car to get back. But then a few seconds later, the second bomb landed and that landed just next to the car. Oh, the car. It blacked me out. I was as close to death as I think you can be, in a total silent blackness. Mm. And into that blackness came my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, Honor. And she was right in front of me, as clearly as anything. She said to me, Daddy, you've got to get out of the car. And my eyes opened. I was brought quickly back into the world, and I took a couple of, grabbed my way towards the door of the car, and just after I had gotten out of the car, the third bomb hit the car itself. And that one threw me away, and I was out for a little bit. When Ben regained consciousness, he saw the serious nature of his injuries. I'm on fire. My right leg is gone. My left foot's gone, mostly gone. Um, and I'm, I'm putting the flames out. I'm rolling around. I'm trying to stop the fire. No one knew where we were. No one knew we'd been hit. And there was no cell phone reception. And that was the moment there where I, you know, you have to pray. You have to think, what am I going to do? Then a car with Ukrainian special forces drove past. It didn't see us the first time, but it got lost down the road and it came back. I woke up soon after that in a hospital inside mm. Kiev, a small Ukrainian hospital. But then I knew I wasn't saved either because there was no way out of the city. And then began this incredible evacuation led by Save Our Allies, who managed to get me out on the Polish prime minister's train. In addition to his right leg and left foot, Paul also lost an eye and severely damaged a hand. Even worse, his longtime friend and cameraman, Pierre Zekchevsky, and Ukrainian producer Sasha Kushnova did not survive. Clinging to life, Paul had to endure a 10-hour train ride and cross the border to Poland. We'd managed to break through the roadblocks to get there, break through the curfews. People were checking my wounds to see if I was really injured or if we were a Russian hit squad coming in. And that was another point where I just had to pray. And it was when I got to the Polish border 10 hours later through incredible agony that there was a US Black Hawk waiting. And as I rose up into the sky, then that was the time that I knew that survival was over and recovery was beginning. Tell us about the recovery, though, because that was hard. Yes, and the recovery continues to this day. Um, every day I'm at physio. I see doctors most days. There's still a lot of work to be done. But I was first taken to Landstuhl in Germany, biggest U.S. base outside, a hospital outside, and uh, where all the injured from Afghanistan and Iraq had been treated with very similar wounds to mine called polytrauma. In his new book, Saved, a war reporter's mission to make it home, Hall writes that he had to keep fighting, not just for himself, but for his wife and three young daughters. I didn't want my daughters to come and see me straight away. I didn't want them to see me so badly injured, unable to move. That's what drove my recovery, knowing that instead of them coming to see me, I would get better as fast as I could and as well as I could every single day. And so every day I woke up and the plan was to do more than I did the day before. What was it like when your daughters first saw their daddy after this? Oh, I mean, it was this, but I was quite nervous because I had spoken to other, other people, veterans who'd had similar accidents as I'd had, similar limb loss, whose children were very afraid of them when they first saw them. But when I walked in that door and I knew they were waiting inside, I, I didn't quite know what it would be like. <laughs> And then that one moment as they just all ran up and grabbed hold of me, my honor, my eldest, 
wouldn't let go. And there was just this moment where she wouldn't let go of me. You're back, you're back, you're back. And we all cried. <laughs> and um, it was just, uh, that's what I had worked so hard to do. They were what saved me as well, was getting home. So that moment was one of just total joy, real, real joy. And your wife has been such a support through all of this. Oh, everything. I mean, one of the things I said the first time I saw her when I was in Landstuhl in Germany, a few days after I got out, the first thing I said was sorry. I said, I'm so sorry. Not because of what had happened, but because of what lay ahead. I knew that it meant a different life for us. She said, what have we got to do? Where do we do it? We will do it together. And Benjamin, you said you, you felt the prayers uh, of, of everybody uh, during your recovery and even now. Every single day I received letters. I received messages in the mail and social media from people across America, thousands of them, sending prayers, willing me on, sending blessings. And every single time I read one of those, it gave me that another little level of strength to push through. And, you know, in many ways, I am now much closer to God. I feel closer than I was before. I've heard in some of your interviews, you've, you've said, God saved me for a reason. Do you know what that reason is? No, I mean, I... I I wouldn't go as far as to say I know what it is, but I do know that I was saved because of incredible support and help and prayers and kindness and bravery from other people. And if I can give some of that back, then, then I think I would be doing the right thing. And Benjamin, what about now? Are you back full-time at Fox? I have a couple of operations coming up in the next month, so uh, not at the moment, but I'm already talking about some plans, and uh, I want to focus on some of the optimistic side as well. Uh, I'm so amazed at the incredible people I've met, the prayers that have been said, and the heroes around me that actually for the first time I want to tell some of those really uplifting optimistic stories. Wendy Griffith, CBN News. Coming up, meet the frontline Christian chaplains who are ministering to the victims of the Russian invasion. Finally tonight, with casualties in the hundreds of thousands in the Ukraine war, many of the injured bear not only physical and visible wounds, but also unseen emotional pain, too. Ukrainian chaplains offer spiritual healing to those wounds. CBN contributor Chuck Holton reports on the growing demand for these caregivers for the soul. <laughs> This Ukrainian medic's GoPro camera video reveals the war's chaos. An artillery shell explodes near his car, wounding him before he can ensure his patient's safety. Despite his injuries, he persists in his mission of caring for comrades, highlighting these heroes' crucial role. Once the wounded arrive at the aid station, army chaplains immediately comfort and pray for them. We call them hospitaliers. They only work in hospitals, intensive care units, amputees, you know, psychiatric clinics. And also there's a narco clinics that we work with and lots of soldiers do get addicted um, because of the stress PTSD that they face and they cannot cope with it. So we need to work with them. They're, they're struggling. Lots of them lost their families. While medics can treat the physical injuries, emotional trauma persists. With a shortage of medics, chaplains often take on the responsibility, providing aid and healing to both soldiers and civilians. Many chaplains maintain strong personal connections to the area, which can intensify their challenges. Lots of them have their families in occupied territory. At this moment, they cannot do anything to it. 
So we have problems. The chaplains I work with, they go front lines. We go all the way across the front line. In my team, we've got two women, both of us mothers of five. Christian Hickey, an American Green Beret and ex-police officer, relocated to Ukraine last year, committed to helping these chaplains. Chaplaincy is not something that's been around at all in Ukraine. It was just officially established in 2022 when, after the war started. It had unofficially started in 2014. But now I sit on a board where I can actually have direct insight in, and, and give great advice on how the chaplaincy course should work and help train those chaplains so they can go out and help soldiers who are seeking answers, who are looking for something, and this reveal Christ to them right there in the trenches. Chaplains recognize the critical nature of their mission. If a soldier is conscious, then we talk to them. We hold their hands. We, uh, we try to uh, take their attention away from their wounds. Medics like us because um, they like to work with chaplains because we stabilize them. This mission is so important. It, it's the person on the ground, Russian or Ukrainian, who are fighting each other, who are dying, and who are uh, needing some sort of help. We want to stand in solidarity, say, hey, we love you, we're here to support you, and to give them something that's everlasting. It's not, not something that, and it's internal, not something that's going to go away after we leave. What we want to do is we want to preach the pure gospel, just like pray to them, lead them to Jesus, uh, take their hands, and like literally pray the, and they accept Jesus Christ in their hearts. The wartime horrors can affect the chaplains as deeply as the soldiers. Katerina reflects on her emotions just after hearing of a friend's death. If you ask me to describe what war is, I'd probably um, use one word to describe it. It's just a waste, it's just a waste of money, resources, a waste of lives, waste, waste of where sometimes we run out of strength. There's just a waste, waste of a whole country, and it's absolutely pointless. Absolutely, at the end, nobody wins. Chuck Holton, CBN News, Ukraine. Thank you, Chuck. And that's going to do it for Faith Nation this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow.